Hello, welcome to the World Cafe Podcast. This podcast has been designed with curated content that centers on the power of words. Can we really do anything without speaking? Can we really do anything without the agency of words? Yes, that is what this podcast is all about. And I am your host, Amakri Isobuye, your neighborhood word trader. I believe in the power of words, for it is the unit of creation. I trade in words to profit my world. Yeah, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, good everything, wherever you're joining me from. Mm, I'm super excited to be here with you. This is your neighborhood world trader, Mark Kriki Yes, we are live on the World Cafe show. And uh, today I have somebody, somebody, I'm super excited. Yes, I am. You can see the way I'm talking. Simone Elbow, all the way from Atlanta. She will join us in a minute. What are we talking about today? Or what are we talking about this season? Yes, like I told you the other day, we are celebrating workers and we are looking at the future of work. And I have someone who is mm, full of life to share on this topic with us. She's around. I'll bring her in in a bit. Please feel free joining in the conversation, you know, your post, your comment and all that. We are talking about the future of work on the platform of leadership. I bring her, mm, yeah, there you are, Simone. <laughs> it's good to be here. Thank you for having me. Yes, uh, before you came on, I was just telling the audience, I have somebody super excited about this person all the way from Atlanta joining us for this uh, evening's conversation. Yes, guys, she's here with us now, Simone Elbo. You know, when I saw your name the first time, I was trying to like, how do I pronounce that name? I guess I'll leave you to do that now. Go ahead, and I, 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 You actually, it's perfect. You you, you oh. nailed it spot on. And I was wondering the same for you. <laughs> my, name, okay. my, my, my name is, it's a lot of people come across it, you know, and they say they try to pronounce it with the tree. And I yeah, the it's not, that's what I, I was, I would have done yeah, that. It is, it is, it is Cree, Amakri. Ah. Yes, Amakri is so boy. Don't, don't bother yourself about the other thing. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, I visited Nigeria before, so I'm very passionate about Nigeria. Oh, really? When very was... dear to my heart. Mm-hmm. When was that? Many years ago, around 2006, I left my home uh, New Year's Eve 2005, and I landed on New Year's Day 2006. Yes, I stayed for three weeks. Whoa, wonderful. So what's your take about? Oh, in Lagos, yes, our commercial name center. So what's your take about about Nigeria? I love it. I mean, I understand the challenges and and I certainly empathize with the challenges, but I loved it. I mean, coming from the Caribbean and we all talk about Africa being the motherland, but I really, I felt a connection, first of all. It felt like home. 
I didn't want to leave it. I saw so many similarities uh, uh, culturally, you know, uh, the way that we live and eat and interact and communicate. And in actual fact, I can see it throughout the Caribbean. So it's very uncanny to see it because you can see different nations, not just my own, but I could, in the music, I can hear Trinidad in Mm -hmm. clothing and dress. I can see Haiti and in the food, I can see all of us (laughs) pretty much, you know? So it was just a phenomenal experience. And I had some very interesting experiences (laughs) that I could tell about, but uh, yeah. But I enjoyed it very, very much. And of course, it's not like what people portray it to be, you know, Africa on the whole, that it's... People think that about us in the Caribbean as well, that we're primitive, that we live on the beach and grass huts and and grass skirts, you know, and then it's Mm -hmm. not that at all. Very modern and sophisticated, so... You can say that again. So who is Simone Elbo? Let's get to meet Simone Elbo. Who is she? What's she all about? Oh, well, I'm, as you can tell, very excited and passionate, animated person. I, I love life and I love growth and development, not only for myself, but for people in general. I love to see people find their purpose and live it and live a purposeful and limitless life, which is my brand name. And I've been in the field of development for my entire career. Whoa, how long Well, over 20 years. Over 25 years, if I could date myself. (laughs) But I started as an educator and transitioned into corporate training. And from there, I transitioned into human resources as a generalist. But my heart and passion has always been in learning and development, mentorship, coaching, training, all of those things. And so the being in human resources has really allowed me to develop that, uh, whether offering programs and courses for organizations yeah. to as a whole and still dealing one-on-one with people and finding that I'm coaching a lot. I coach leaders a lot on how to navigate people problems in their departments and challenges that they may be having internally with their whole concept of leading and how to lead. And I find I mentor millennials a lot on how to navigate the workplace and workplace challenges and oftentimes challenges with their leaders. So I've really given up my my life to this work, I, and I really enjoy it. It's what ignites me and keeps me going. I can, I can hear that from your voice. As an every note tells me, she is all about motivation, coaching, and building people. Now, why, why do you choose, or why did you choose that word, limitless life? It's so interesting because, as I mentioned, I'm I'm passionate about purpose and people discovering their purpose. But at the core of it, what I really focus on with people is how do I break free from limitations? Because I find that that is what holds people back. People feel stuck. People feel that I can't get past this particular block. And most times it's internal. It's an internal block that they have, whether it's a their mindset, 
their belief system. And so I want people to understand that they are limitless. We have been created as limitless beings. It's just society, societal expectations, sometimes our environment, things like that, that make us feel limited, but we really are limitless and we have power. So I've even moved away from calling programs empowerment programs because it tends to give people the impression that once you attend this program, you're going to have power when you mm. already have power. You're just a matter of that. tapping into that and moving in that power that you already have and not feeling powerless. And I suppose that I, <clears throat> I'm passionate about it because I felt that way myself for many, many years. Powerless and limited, stuck and, and and locked in, and so I. When I discovered that, you know what, I have more power than I realize, then mm-hmm. I want other people to realize that too. So when was the discovery? Let, let us know when was the discovery <laughs> about this limitless. Should I use the word limitlessness? <laughs> yes, I love it. I think for me, I. I had some negative experiences as a child of um, sexual abuse and bullying. And I didn't realize that those things impacted my mentality. And so I grew into life thinking that I was powerless, that I was helpless. And I think the beginning of my discovery came when I heard the teachings of Dr. Miles Monroe. Probably I, was about, I was about asking you. <laughs> I yes. was about raising that beat, but I said, no, let me let, me let her land. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. And, and I was privileged to have attended his church for five years, and I was divinely led there. Divinely oh. led. I had a dream, a, a very oh. vivid dream that was almost like a film mm. and when I woke up I didn't understand it and I was like oh my goodness what what does this mean but it meant that I needed to go to his church and I didn't understand why until I got there and was immersed in the teachings of um, purpose potential vision leadership and kingdom and he was very consistent about teaching those messages. So for the five years that I was there, it was a, an immersion. And it woke something up in me to understand that, hey, I'm not just here to live life or to just exist. You know, I am here for a reason. My life has meaning. And, and there's something that I need to do. There are people that I need to impact. And in the course of attending his church for that period of time, I met one of his leaders, one of his key leaders, who hosted a conference every year called the CEO Network. And I attended this conference and I remember sitting in the crowd and thinking, boy, I would love to do this. I would love to be speaking and, and sharing with people and organizing conferences and things like that. And one of her speakers is uh, Lori Beth Jones, who is a writer and a business consultant. And she hosted trainings for a book that she wrote called The Path. And it was really how to help people write their mission statements for their life or for their work. 
And so I had the opportunity to hear her speak, again, was ignited. And as you can tell, it moves your life along a path. And so I had the opportunity to attend. Yes. And so I had the opportunity to attend her training. And of course, with her training, you you follow the processes yourself. So it's, it's very uh, illuminating and enlightening personally. And then you learn how to take people through that journey as well. And so in those early years, this would have been in the early 2000s or so, Uh, I did that and it just put me on this trajectory and made me realize that there was more to me. There's more to Simone than what I believed so many years before. So this was leading up. I would have been in my 20s at that time. So leading up from age six to early 20s was this now this revolution in my own life. Yeah, awesome. Now, 2019 leading to 2020, the world experienced a lot of, uh, would I use the word hiccup? A lot of, you know, changes. Disruption. (laughs) Disruption, exactly. A lot of disruptions. And it's like everybody ran into their homes hiding. In course of hiding, we all discovered that, come on, I can work from home. I can do this, I can do that. And boom, there was this uh, light bulb moment for everybody. Now that has, I would, would I say it has simmered down and it's like the norm. And we're now going into the future and we're dealing with this new normal, as we call it, the future of work. A lot of people are grappling with it, honestly. The millennials are really not having that issue, so to say, but... Uh, the baby boomers, as we call them, are grappling. What's your take on this? As in, have you been handling it within your sphere, advising and coaching and, you know, talking people through this season? Yeah, it's it's difficult for so many people. And as I chat with people, especially even the younger generation, a lot of people feel uh, they should have really tapped into this and this shouldn't have been challenging for them, for children, for teens, for youth, for young adults. But that is a misconception. This is just as challenging for them as it is for many other people. And so the things that I'm finding people being challenged with is the disruption in their social life, uh, in their health, in their mental health and well-being, in feeling very drained and fatigued and lacking motivation. And on the leadership side, for just trying to navigate this whole thing and understand how do I lead? How do I understand the uncertainty that this time brings? How do I shift my mentality to see the potential and the opportunities that this disruption has brought. So it's it's been quite, I would say, a balance of the good and the bad, the yin and the yang, and in, in many of it, but in all age groups, you know? Mm-hmm. Now, I remember my son, uh, my 10-year-old, his mom was telling me the other day, 
she walked up, I mean, he walked up to his mom and he said, Mommy, there's no need of going to school. And she was like, why? Ah, because everything I need, I just go on the internet, Google, and I have my information and all that. So the mom called me and was like, look at what your son said. And I was like, well... We, we, we need to let them know that yes you have that information but you also need to be within the proper framework of a school to interact with people and uh, exchange ideas because we are social creatures we need to see ourselves and relate I, I don't know what, what do you think how do we for our children that is now how do we manage them because the truth is we're working from home now they are schooling from home now. How do we manage this? I think we have to know our children, first of all, because you do have some children who would say, like your son, I could do this from home. I don't need to go back to school. I could, you know, everything is here at our fingertips on this phone or this tablet. And, you know, I'm, I'm good. And then you have some children who are, they need school. They need the interaction. They need the social life. They need the attention from their teachers. They need that hands-on experience. So I think that we need to know our children and, and what they need and to also help them navigate sometimes what they think they don't need. So your son may feel like, I don't really need the whole drama of school you know I don't need to be figuring out am I making friends or this person teasing me picking on me or all of this I don't have to be noticed if I don't want to you know I could just mute that mic and and live my life you know (laughs) and so we have to still teach those lessons that in life we're still going to have to interact with people we're still going to have to have difficult conversations we're still going to have to deal with pain and we can't mute our way through life we can't just mute our cameras and mute our mics and think that everything is going to be okay and this is the concern that i have with this era because i'm concerned about our emotional intelligence and our ability to to be self-aware, to be socially aware, to be able to speak up, which has been a challenge prior to the pandemic. And so I think this may only make it worse. You know, this is this is the introvert's dream right now. Like I've been living my life this way all this while. Like why, what's your problem? <laughs> you know, and, and it would just, I think, push people further away from disconnecting from life and from humanity and from some of the real challenges that we would love to avoid but these challenges sometimes come to to shape us you know and that's some of the lessons that I give uh, millennials a lot of times they feel like you know what I don't have to put up with this I'm out of here Uh, but these sometimes it's in these tough moments that we are shaped and prepared we have to work with that boss that we don't particularly like or respect we have to deal with the boss that may be overly critical or that is demanding these are the things that shape us 
as difficult as they are, and I'm not saying that we should stay in toxic situations, we should know when enough is enough and it's time to move on, but there are times when we have to stay and we have to learn the lessons, we have to push through because it's all tied to our purpose. Wonderful. Now, you said you spent five years on Dr. Miles. Yeah. And uh, I want to believe those five years were memorable for you. Can you tell us what was it like as a first-hand sitting under him for this period? And what did you really take away from sitting under his, what I say, ministry? Yes, it, it was a phenomenal experience. And actually, it was a challenging experience. It, it stretched me. And this is why I can speak from personal experience that it stretched me. It stretched me because it was a bigger experience that I'd been accustomed to. So I was going to another church and it was my home church. It was where my family was. This is where I was born and grew up. And so I was loved and affirmed and known. And I reached a place of comfort in what I was doing in that ministry. And so when this call from God came to move on, that process in itself was very difficult of having to now separate yourself from everything that was very comfortable, number one. And then moving into an environment that was phenomenally different and on, I want to say, a different scope and perspective of ministry. I don't want to say a higher level because I don't ever like to measure church in that way, but it was a different perspective of ministry because Dr. Miles was traveling the world. He was on television. And so you were recording. It wasn't just coming to church and singing on the praise team. You were being recorded to go around the world. People that you watched on television were standing on the platform. You were looking at them in, in the flesh. And being a part of the music ministry, we we supported many of them. So we're, we're singing with Donnie McClurkin and Andre Crouch, and we're looking at Creflo Dollar and, and Mike Murdoch and all of these people that you watch on television, like standing in your presence and you're listening to them. And so for that, that also shifted my mindset to understand that I have also access to a global platform that even as I am serving I'm looking at it and saying I have access to this too I could perhaps do this as well and again it was preparation right so being there and and watching Dr. Miles operate I think one of the most profound lessons for me other than his prolific ability to teach and to break information down was his humility and people would visit from all over the world and he always wanted to stand and meet people and talk to people and connect with people and I think that that's what impacted people most about him that he was reachable and touchable he did not act like other leaders who at the end of a service was whisked away to some mystery room or some limousine and carried off to you know this grand life he was never ashamed to share that he came from humble beginnings 
and he was never one to separate himself from from people and and he loved people and so i think those were the key lessons that i took away aside from the messages that he taught um on those five core areas i think personally he never lost that touch to connect with people and i think that was his inspiration for what he did servant leader more or less yes you know, exactly i ended up actually he did a conference under that theme and i wrote a song uh, the theme song for that conference uh, i wrote it um, yes mm-hmm. give me the power of a servant's heart wow yeah you, you you said something about comfort that you were in your what you termed comfort this my comfort zone i'm comfortable here i don't want to go anywhere you know uh this is my more or less peak and god gave you a vision that's not comfort <laughs> i want to stretch you or rather i want to take you to true comfort you know sometimes the comfort zone phenomenon or comfort zone theory is elusive as in it's it's a lie I have everything I've got. I'm going nowhere. You, you don't want to like dream anymore that God comes knocking. Hello, wake up. I think it's time for you to go to the next. You know, when you were saying that, that just came to me that listen, what you call comfort is an illusion. There's something out there. There's something bigger out there. Now, as a woman, uh, last month I had this series for women I, as I'm celebrating women march like I, I told people uh, march is for women now we're now confused we don't know which is which anymore in terms of the actual international international day for women you have the anglicans will celebrate mothers day the pentecostals will celebrate theirs and all that but the month of march was just dedicated to them for you as a woman this season what has it been like seeing all the challenges and the successes that women globally have recorded what is it like for you it's for me i think an opportunity to really shine to really capitalize on what's going on to to pivot as we use those words to to look at how can i reach more people how can i reach people and provide solutions to what they need and on the flip side it's also very challenging it's challenging for people who are single parenting people who are co-parenting and as you mentioned trying to work from home trying to help students their children at whatever stage they're at with schooling being concerned about their performance and income and health and well-being and feeling like the workload i think is probably tripled for so many people and feeling like can i handle all of it can i stay in balance can i find the me time that i need to replenish myself 
And so those were some of the areas that I personally struggled with. I came out at the beginning of the pandemic in a bang, like I was on fire and I was churning out things and I just, I felt ignited. But by the end of last year, I was depleted. (laughs) I really literally got to this place of mental exhaustion, physical exhaustion, um, trying to find my motivation or my mojo as I call it. And so I think that for women, we have to be very conscious of what do we want and not try to be all to everybody. I went through a period and very recently of really assessing what what are the things that I'm involved in and do I need to continue to say yes to everything? Do I need to still participate in the things that I'm participating in? What are my priorities? And so I think when we do that, when we are able to spring clean our life and really assess in these areas of my activities, my mind, my body, my surroundings, my overall life, then we're able to really give our best to the things that we ought to be giving our best to. I find that as women, oftentimes we feel this obligation to be super women and to do all things and be all things to everyone, excluding ourselves. <laughs> and so, yeah, I just actually wrote a book called Me First, the mm. self-love guide for the purposeful woman. And there are times we have to put ourselves first and really see, you know, am I giving of myself? Am I loving myself enough so that I can better love the people and the projects around me? Wow. What was the title of the book again? Me First. <laughs> first. Whoa, 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 whoa. Five. Now, as a black woman, I need to go to the, I mean, I need to go here now. As a black woman, yes. How do you see the black women globally? How do you see them? Do you see them as living up to expectation or not? Do you see them as playing the second fiddle role? How do you see them? I see Black women as very powerful. And especially in our culture, uh, in the diaspora, Black women are very, very powerful. They are running corporations they are at top level positions they are doing a lot uh, doing that and managing homes and and they're involved in churches they say if you go anywhere you would see majority women i think this is why people target women in their marketing and in their programming because women are are visible women are the consumers, they they don't have a problem committing to things and spending their money and and doing what needs to be done to make it happen. Women are are very, very strong. So I see that. But I also see the brokenness in Black women. And I think sometimes we, we hide behind our strength and avoid the things that we need to focus on emotionally dealing with 
childhood trauma, dealing with the pain and rejection of of what we would term as failures, you know, relationships not working, marriages not working, seeking relationships and not being able to find something that's satisfying and fulfilling and being able to get along with people, finding social groups that they can fit into and not feel used or taken advantage of. I think women must face this and heal from it because it's causing damage to people. It's damaging their children, it's damaging their relationships with their partners and with their workers and their colleagues because we are triggered in many cases and we're acting out in ways that's not healthy. Again, I go back to emotional intelligence. So I think that that is an area that we must work on. So can that we touch, and, and that emotional intelligence. Can you touch a little bit on it? Emotional intelligence. Yes. So emotional intelligence really is how we are able to recognize and manage our own emotions and recognize and influence our relationships with others. So there are four quadrants in emotional intelligence that we should be mindful of. And two of them deal with recognition or awareness, and two of them deal with regulation or management. So we have self-awareness, and this is our ability to understand ourselves. So you'd hear me use this, the word trigger, right? Um, what what are some things that would cause me to get into a particular emotional state or mood? How do I understand myself and, and what I'm feeling in a given moment? Oftentimes, we tend to think that we have, there are four main emotions that we would feel in life. Happy, sad, angry, afraid. But there are hundreds of emotions and layers and layers and layers. If we were to take each one of those you know, happy could really be ecstatic. It could be stimulated. It could be fulfillment. I mean, there's so many different layers to what we feel. And this is what self-awareness does. Helps us to understand who am I and what am I about? What do I need to heal? What are my strengths? And how do I move from there? The next quadrant of that is self-management. So I understand how I feel, but how do I manage this? Does this mean that because I feel it, I need to react to it or respond because of it? Do I need to speak out in, in this particular state or do I manage myself to know how do I control these impulses or these feelings in this particular moment? How do I know when it is the right time? And how do I craft a message that shows that I am socially aware. So that's the third quadrant. So when you have social awareness is when I understand other people and their emotional state. So this is where we get the term empathy from. I am able to put myself in your shoes and understand what would you be feeling in this moment? And if I am aware of what you're feeling in this moment, then it would temper how I manage myself. So if you're having a horrible day, you come home and you're having a horrible day, 
my self-management says, I don't need to talk about the great day that I had. This is my moment to listen to you and to, and to offer you empathy about your day and give you what you need, right? Not to say that I'm not going to share about my great day, but I am going to find the right time to do that. Now is not the right time because you're having a rough time. And then the other side to that is now relationship management. And this is our ability to influence, to inspire, to to drive change and all of these things um, as we manage the relationships. So we can see how all of the quadrants are interconnected. (laughs) I am so loving the way you are unpacking this particular question as in the way you went about it. You know, I never saw it like this, honestly. Never saw it like this, you know, within the four quadrants that you just put up there. Mm, that was lovely, lovely. Thank you. We can go on and on and on talking. I know you have other things to catch up with, but before I let you go, what is that thing that you look forward to every single day of your life? Every single day. What's that thing that you look forward to? For me, it's the opportunity to make an impact in someone's life. When people, if I can shift people from feeling stuck and hopeless to feeling limitless and powerful, then I would say I've had a good day. And when I can make that shift in myself, that's what I look forward to. I always want to model anything that I am sharing with other people. And so even as you talk about the future of work, I believe that this is how work is is shifting for us. It's greater awareness of people and processes and how do we make things better for people? How do we still find efficiencies and how do we find our profitability? But how do we do that through people? And how do we engage at all levels? You mentioned uh, all of the generations. One that's sadly neglected is my own, which is Generation X. People don't even talk about us, you know, but I believe that we are the missing link to what's happening with the baby boomers as they retire and move on. And I believe that as people who retire, they have an obligation to share and to mentor and to pass information on. And I think that Generation X has embraced that because we never really got it. And so this is why we completely understand. Sometimes we don't understand millennials, but I think we we can relate to them a little better because we came in on an era of changing technology and modernization and so we're not afraid of the technology we're we're not afraid of taking risks we're not afraid of of speaking our mind so we're the kind of that bridge between the baby boomers and the millennials and can help to shift them as we prepare them because we will soon be leaving the scene as well generation x will be retiring in probably 10 to 15 years and so we have to start thinking about what next and how do we want this world to be 
and how will we leave it in their hands? So those are the things that really inspire me and keep me going every day. I'm a Simone Elbo, thank you so, so much. To say I'm grateful is an understatement, but honestly, thank you for honoring us with your presence and sharing this moment with us. I pray that when we call again, you will respond and then to share more with us. I am so, so grateful. Guys, we need to draw the curtain here. We've been speaking with Simone Elbo, Limitness Life Coach. I mean, she's been phenomenal. She's been phenomenal. Thank you. Thank you, Simone. One last word before we draw the curtain. One last word, please. <laughs> well, I want to say thank you. The honor is mine. I am privileged to be a part of this. And I hope that you will return the favor and, and join I, my show. I <laughs> sure will. Definitely. <laughs> Definitely. I look forward to that. I look forward yeah, to just, that. Just, I, point, just point the direction and I will just, mm, I'll be there. <laughs> awesome. And I hope that I can, I can connect with you in Nigeria soon. I, it is my intent to come back. Uh, Wonderful. I look forward to that. I look forward to that. Thank you. Thank you. This is the Word Cafe live show. We've been gisting and discoursing and talking with Simone Elbow. Oh, if you catch the replay, go ahead. Just suck it up all in because she's done more than more than enough, I must say. Well, people come your way again. This is your neighborhood word trader, Amakri Isoe. I believe in the power of words, for it is the unit of creation. Thank you. Simon, till we meet again. Thank you so much. All right, bye. Bye-bye. some time it has been with you on the word cafe podcast today thank you for being there you can catch me up on my social media handles twitter facebook linkedin instagram all at amakri isoboye also you can get copies of my books a cocktail of words the color of words and my hr notebook on amazon and on Roving Heights online bookstores. You can also subscribe to my YouTube page at the same address. Yes, till we see you again. Bye for now.